0: At the recent South by Southwest conference, Argo Digital held a panel discussion on the future of big data, artificial intelligence, and risk. This interview was conducted on site in Austin, Texas at the Half Step Bar. Senior Vice President Andy Breen was on hand to share his thoughts on why now is the time to talk about how data collection, artificial intelligence, and the internet of things impacts risk.
1: So artificial intelligence has been discussed for decades. But there have been many winters uh, where it really went out of favor. The big difference now is that we have a volume of data and computing power that we never had before. So we can actually put some of the theory into practice like we never could in the past. And specifically tied to risk, insurance has always been a data driven business. And so now, instead of having long form applications that people have to fill out and use that information, which may or may not be the right information, may or may not. Be be good information, uh, we actually can go and use real information the data that's available through public sources, commercial databases, on the web, things like that.
0: In today's connected world, we use wearable tech, social media, apps on our smartphones, and more to keep track of our daily habits and lives. When asked what the explosion of data collected by everything from mobile to IoT to drones meant for risk assessment, Andy had this to say.
1: What it means is that we can actually use different Uh, factors in looking at risk, right? So say today we're here at a restaurant, today this restaurant would be asked how many employees do you have and what's your revenue. I'm not really sure that those are real good indicators of the risk that someone's going to slip and fall on the front stoop, but if we have these other devices we can see is there a spill on the floor? Is there something wrong with their roof? or other factors that will actually contribute to a potential downstream claim or other thing where we could actually advise them to uh, improve their, uh, their risk profile and help them manage that process?
0: In the past, the biggest challenge for use of big data was the lack of systems and algorithms in place to translate incoming data into something that could be used to assess true risk. Now, there are tools in place which offer real understanding and solutions. Andy goes into detail on how AI is used to turn data knowledge into data understanding.
1: So more data at first was a problem because the tools that we had just couldn't flat out handle them and the approaches that we had just couldn't handle them. So with the last last five years, we've had a real explosion in really powerful tools that were just fundamentally different approaches to doing that. So... Uh, what we have now is the ability to actually handle that and because we've changed you know what we're trying to do here but the thing is a lot of this is um, uh, locked away in kind of fairly what we call unstructured data sources right so yeah there's a database of uh, you know kind of quantifiable data but what's really interesting are the you know social media and um, SEC filings and other data sources like that where we could go in and pull out you know the the, what we call qualitative uh, information and uh, and understand that better and that's where the artificial intelligence comes in because you're not just looking for keywords, you're actually trying to uh, extract meaning from those, uh, those data
0: sources. The ability of artificial intelligence to derive meaning from data analysis is the key to fully utilizing big data. The next step would naturally be for AI to fully understand us.
1: Think about how much you talk to your device. It's the same same fundamental technology, right? So voice interfaces have become very real now. In fact, uh, they just announced the other day that uh, they've achieved 96% uh, efficiency and and, and only four percent error rate. Uh, that's actually better than humans as far as understanding language. So the algorithms now can really actually understand us. We use that same model to actually go and look at textual data sources. In some ways, it's actually easier because we don't have to deal with noise and, and other factors. But the big thing is now unlocking the meaning that is in those types of uh, in those types of documents. And we're just at the very early stages of, of really understanding what to what we can do with that.
0: We all know technology moves quickly. What was cutting edge 10 years ago has been replaced many times over. We asked Andy to look back over the last five years and share how things have changed when it comes to processing and using big data.
1: So uh, five years ago, uh, we didn't have the tools. Um, we didn't have the process. So think about this. All data kind of structures and processing, um, you know, five plus years ago was on a fixed known data set. So I basically go get a database and let's run some, you know, some things to do that. So all the tools and all the approaches were done that way. Statistical methods were all done that way. We, we the tech industry had this huge explosion and really Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Amazons of the world were faced with this problem where the, the old tools and the old approaches just didn't work. So what they've done is they created brand new tools, mostly around something called pipelining, where instead of operating on a fixed set of data, you operate on a stream of data. And building those tools has completely revolutionized uh, how we approach, uh, how we approach uh, doing this and made it real. So.
0: Big Data is a great tool for companies that have teams to support the increased data knowledge. Andy offers companies without staff, data scientists, and AI PhDs some insight on how they, too, can benefit from new technology.
1: So it is, difficult, uh, it is difficult these days um, to do that because there is some pretty advanced things going on however the tools are getting advanced quite rapidly and here's the interesting thing a lot of the best tools and most of the best tools out there are open source or free tools right so the tech community has built them and then for the better of everyone kind of put them out there so you have things emerging like um, not, you know, not only knowing how to create a neural network for an artificial intelligence application but there's actually uh, neural networks as a service now right um, there's things like tensor Flow, which was uh, put into the uh, into open source by, by Google, which is an incredibly powerful tool. So you still, your average person still couldn't go in and use those things, but the bar is being lowered for you know the cost of them and the expertise needed. So it'll get to a point, probably in the next five years, I guess, maybe ten years, where someone can go in and just describe the type of problem that they're doing and the type of data they want to look at, and then dynamically an artificial intelligence network will be built.
0: With so much big data easily accessible to the public and private sector, Andy addresses the question of whether government can also take advantage of data and technology when assessing risk.
1: Well, interesting enough, the government has probably the best data. The government's always been the classic source of collecting data, whether it's the census or tax filings or all these other things. So the government's probably sitting on the best set of data that there is. I don't know that they've always had the tools to do that. Now, the interesting thing is how can, you know, private industry, academia, and others um, help the government get there? Because obviously the government's dealing with a whole other set of risks, whether it's catastrophes, whether it's terrorism or other threats from that. Um, But I think they need to start, you know, looking at the techniques. The big thing that's changed change now is how rapidly thing the environment has changed, right because you know as technology moves things faster, so in the scale that you can, you can think things can happen. So any countermeasure or any way to actually harness and, and do these things um, has uh, you know, has to be jumped on very rapidly. Unfortunately, government is not known to be super nimble in being able to do that. So I think the government has to find ways um, to be able to have you know, in essence quick strike forces like they do in the military. I think they have to have the same thing in, in the cybers in the cyber area in the data area.
0: Big data and the tools to analyze it are advancing at a fast pace. By comparison, many times when we think of the government, we could say they move about in a slower, more measured pace, like a giant cruise ship, which is slow to adjust and unable to make quick course correction.
1: Exactly. But here's an interesting uh, corollary. Um, The military, you know, when you talk about the military that was built to fight the Cold War in the U.S., that was not set up um, to fight guerrilla wars. That was not set up to fight terrorism. They were set up to fight, you know, tank battles in, in Asia or, uh, or uh, nuclear battles. They were not set up to battle, you know, guerrillas in, uh, in, uh, in an urban environments. Um, but that's why the Special Forces was created, right? So they created the Special Forces um, to basically go and be able to be highly, highly adaptive. And they broke all the classic rules of military doctrine uh, to do that. So they've had to adapt before. And I think what they realize now is they have to, you know, also adapt in their methodologies and, and how they deal with this.
0: This leads to the comparison of the special forces being like today's modern business, more like a speedboat which can adjust to changes quickly.
1: Absolutely, right? Yeah, so you can't move a whole army, you know, across the ocean in in 24 hours, but you can have a quick strike force that can actually have a real impact.
0: When asked to speculate on the future of big data, AI, IoT, and risk, Andy shared these insights.
1: So I think um, on the immediate horizon, as I mentioned, Is the ability to basically, um, for us in the industry, is to basically look at things that we could never look at before. Again, why you would ask a you know certain business you know their revenue and use that as a proxy for risk? Well, that was probably the only things they could actually give you because that's one of the few things they know. Now, with the ability to use everything from drones to sensors and things like that, um, I could actually you know potentially use things that are probably much more indicative of risk and, oh, by the way, lower the friction and that I don't have to ask you right. So the holy grail that I put out to my team is I want to be able to say something like. <clears throat> All restaurants in the Northeast Corridor, um, I want to understand what are the risks that we like and be able to go and, and assess them. So I can just walk in and say, here you go. I already know who you are and uh, and I'm are comfortable you know, working with your business because you know we know about you. Do you want to sign on the dotted line? So that would be actually the, uh, the ideal case. We're a little ways away from that, but that's where we're trying to head toward.
0: At Argo Digital, we have one mission. Turn the insurance paradigm on its head and define the way people assess and transfer risk in the 21st century helping small business stay in business. To learn more about how your business can leverage technology to transfer risk, go to argo-digital.com. Argo Digital is a division of specialty insurance provider Argo Group.